dedicated to all my beautiful queens, all my beautiful ladies out she there. She is a queen. guys for watching another episode of the cute chat my special guest today is miss hyette rita and hyette has an amazing jewelry line called koi and we're going to talk about her upbringings and how she came up with this amazing jewelry line it's been worn by some powerful women such as janelle monet Lori harvey has been seen on anchors at cnn so i'm definitely interested to talk with her we're going to talk about my favorite topic of course self-love so how are you doing today I am well. Thank you for having me. I, I, I put on my cozy outfit because we're, <laughs> we're about to get comfortable. Yes, I want you to feel comfortable and I'm so happy to talk with you. So I want to start off with talking about Koi. I know like you launched it while you had a full-time job and this has been something that you put a lot of time into. So we'll definitely dive into some other things. So I want to start off with this wonderful jewelry line and what inspired you to start it. Um, so um, I think the beautiful story of Koi is I never wanted to start it. And that's that's what makes it so beautiful. It started off as a jewelry partnership with a brand. I was supposed to just design, you know, one collection. As an influencer, you do several times. You'll do a collaboration with a brand. And it ended up not working out. And I had a ton of packaging. And so I said, okay, I have so much packaging. I'll just make my own jewelry line until I run out of packaging and then I'll move on with my life. Cause it was kind of like, I'm not gonna throw away that much packaging. A year later, here we are. <laughs> and I think it was, um, the reason why the journey was so beautiful is it really goes, even aligning with self-love. It's initially when, when I was faced with, okay, I have this much packaging, what am I going to do? I talked myself out of it. I said, you're not a jewelry designer. You didn't go to school for jewelry design, but, I, but I'm an artist. I've been an artist since I was younger. So I said, okay, well then, rather than telling myself who I'm not, let's look at who I am and see how we can intersect it with the situation at hand. And that's what made Koi different. Sculptural pieces, because that's all I know how to do. I don't know how to do simple pieces, as you can see. Like, I think I'm allergic to simplicity. So that's what has built the brand to what it is today is really out of the box style and just me leaning into pushing myself each collection. So that that's pretty much how we got here. Wow. So I read that you earned a double major in art and communications and you worked in advertising for like the last 15 years. Yeah. So with you, like I know you said it kind of fell into your lap. Did you ever have a desire though, like at all prior to this? <laughs> I never wore jewelry. I, I would say I started wearing jewelry five years ago. Like I was always two, two pearl studs, but I have loved art. Like I've loved art my whole life. My mom, on the other hand, jewelry, that, that woman has the biggest collection of sculptural jewelry. So I think I also grew up seeing, like my mom has elaborate necklaces and she'll tell you every story about them. So it was around me, but it was not on me but it was in me. Ooh, look at that. Um, it, I think it was sort of infused in who I was. So when the opportunity came, I think it had been like, you know, budding. And I think everything about building the brand is sort of a colliding of, of my background. Like I studied art in college. I actually have a, um, I have a bachelor's in photography. I don't shoot often. Um, but you know, those are the things that allowed Koi to have the most stunning visuals because as a photographer, it's easy for me to direct other people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I also have a bachelor's in communications. I've worked in advertising for the last, what, 10, 15 years. So when it came to building a brand, I've built several other brands, brands that we all know today. So it was like, okay, well, let's build mine. Um, so that is the journey that, that I'm on. So I also read as well that you have a Ghanaian culture background. Your father is Lebanese as well. Yeah. How have you fused in your culture and how important is it for you to fuse that in with your brand? 
Yes, I was born and raised in Ghana. Ghana is still home to me. My family, most of my family lives in Ghana. Um, and there's lots of elements of Ghana in there. A lot of the, the sort of the boldness of it, Ghanaian chiefs and a lot of royalty, some from the Ashanti tribe, which is where, you know, one of the main kingdoms is. And, you know, they they are stacked with, with the jewelry. Like, they don't do minimal. They, they do not do minimal. Um, and also, even creatively, all our campaigns are shot in Ghana. Like, I'm on WhatsApp directing the shoots. I'm on a Zoom call while the shoots are being done. So it was super important with me of like, a lot of times people think you have to move back home to impact culture. And I said, well, I have this big brand here. How do I still impact home? The entire shoots are done by full Ghanaian creative teams remotely. Um, and then also tapping into my father's um, cultures, you know, I have a full Lebanese name. I've been to Lebanon. I'm, I'm sort of you know, re-deepening those roots. A lot of the names are Arabic um, as well. So it's sort of like this perfect hodgepodge of African elements. And then, you know, some some of my Middle Eastern culture comes to life in the names, like our current collection, Noor, um, which was just archived yesterday, had a full like Arabic um, in, infusion in it. So I'm very proud to bring both cultures inside as much as I can. That's beautiful. So another thing with your wonderful jewelry line has been seen on celebs such as Janelle Monet, Lori Harvey, Brandy Evans from my favorite show, yeah. <laughs> P Valley, and Abby Phillips, Bazoma St. John. So what started from, you know, you having this inclination, like you said, you did not initially <laughs> desire to do this. So what led from just this idea where you needed to just get rid of this packaging to now having it being warm by these amazing women. I think the beauty is how statement the pieces are. And I think that has what has, you know, I think we've been blessed in, in sort of like, I haven't really had to, you know, go out and beg people to wear stuff. It's like stylists would be like, wait, what is that? Because my whole thing about Koi is, I always tell the team, if a bunch of girls travel and they take a group picture, I should be able to spot Koi. So our pieces should, I should be able to spot it a mile away and say, that's a Koi piece. And so if that is the ethos of how the brand is designed, stylists and, you know, some of the most amazing women spot Koi and say, I want that. And, you know, it's super been organic to, you know, lots of stylists reaching out and even a lot of people buying them. Like Koi will pop up somewhere. I think when Brandy wore it, I was like, how did she get Koi? Like it, it wasn't like someone had reached out and said, we want it for her. You know, it was basically like I was sitting there and some people start tagging me. It's always somebody starts tagging me. And I'm like, yeah, that. Oh, wow. That's Koi. I, I don't know how that got there. But, you know. Um, there it is. So those are like the beautiful moments. You also see people gift koi to women who they think are powerful. Mm -hmm. And when I started putting together my manifestation of where I wanted to see koi, I said I wanted strong and powerful women like myself. I was like, I want the women who are speaking, are sitting on stages, are going into big rooms, and I want them showing up. Whether they're in a black suit, I need them to have a bold statement piece. And even um, the, assist, the assistant to the mayor or the deputy mayor of Chicago was at a press conference and I'm looking at the thing. I was like, is that Koi? And she had Koi on. I was like, that, I was like, that, that's what I dreamt of. So it's, it's always so beautiful and so humbling every time I see um, women wear Koi and it's, it's also accessible. I mean, the, most of the pieces are $40, $50. And I think that's what I wanted women to feel like, you don't need to have a hundred million dollars to be able to feel good in what you have on. So that's, I hope I can keep that for a long time. That's a good tagline actually that, because I think sometimes people are so wrapped up in thinking that they have to spend X amount of dollars to look nice or to look classy when it's really about the style, you know, but I think a lot of times people get wrapped up in pricing thinking, oh, Ooh, it's, it's not price, it is not. And that goes because it's good quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always tell our team, um, don't ever call us luxury. Like I'll say, do not ever refer to Koi as luxury. We should never call ourselves luxury. The customer who we wouldn't even call them customers, call them, especially in the store, we call them guests. The guests should refer to our experience as luxury. We should never call ourselves luxury. And those are the little things in which I infuse into the team that help deliver the, the experience. We have a mantra that says excellence is the bare minimum. 
and I will repeat it over and over again. You know, if, if let's say there's a tiny leaf on the floor outside of the store, I will ask them, excellence is the bare minimum. Is this excellent? No, it has to go. And, and that, that is the standard of, I don't care if you're here spending $20, you should be treated like royalty. Um, so that comes to life, not only from the online experience, or the packaging, but down to the brick and mortar. I think that's super important to me. Mm, I love that. I wanted to ask you, what have been some of the particular highlights that you would point out since you've started this journey? Um, there was one day where, you know, I, I sit in a bubble. I exist in this little bubble. I'm actually not, I'm very antisocial. Um, I'm very shy. I can do these things. I can speak on a stage, but in person, I'm so shy. Um, and I was in an elevator going to brunch and I saw a woman in the elevator and she had koi on. So I was being sarcastic and I said, I love your jewelry. And she was like, thank you. And then I was like, where did you get it from? And she was like, there's this brand, I think it's black owned, it's called koi. And in that moment I was like, oh, she doesn't actually know that it's my brand. And that was such a beautiful moment because when you're an influencer, you just assume and you start a brand. Basically, it's it's your audience who's who's shopping. Um, and I always kept saying, I want you know, I love my community and I like I cherish them. But I was like, I can't wait for the day where Koi grows beyond my community. Like women who have no idea who I am buy the pieces, and that was so special to me because I met somebody who was wearing my brand, who literally didn't buy it because, oh, it's my favorite influencer's brand. They probably bought it because they liked it. At that same brunch, when I got off the elevator, just sitting in the restaurant, I saw two more people wearing Koi. Now those two people knew who I was, but in that moment, I just remember I have never let go of how that felt. Um, and then the other highlight was um, my mom coming to the store opening. Um, so I flew her from Ghana. She, you know, she started her own store the year I was born. Um, she just come off of divorce and she, her whole thing was she started a store and for her to come full circle to cut the ribbon at mine, like I will never forget moments like that. Um, so those, those were two very special moments. It's like, I love when celebrities wear koi and that means the most to me. But sometimes when I see everyday women in the pieces that I create, I, it's, it just, it makes me so happy. That's wonderful. I did also read that you like to give back, that that's an important thing for you. What are some of the philanthropic things that Koi does and how important is it, of course, for you to give back, especially to your Ghanaian roots? What's, yeah. what, how does that feel and how gratifying is that as well? And I think the way we give back is twofold. Um, digitally, I give back a ton. So I teach entrepreneurs for free. As I'm doing it, I'm just like, this is what you need to know. Here's how to build a brand. Because when I was building this, I built it like no one was teaching me anything. There was no resources. I couldn't even find anything. And so for me, some of my giving back is also, you don't have to buy a $10,000 course. I will tell you for free. Like even when I'm on threads, you know, I'm saying, and this is how you build a campaign. Here are the 10 things to do. Here's how you pivot. Like that's one part. And then also to Ghana, it's really about empowering the creative community. Because a lot of times when you live, you know, when I was growing up in Ghana, everything that was foreign was, was you know, the best part. You want to go shoot your campaign outside, you know, the country. You want to use the foreign photographer. And then I'm in the land where you would consider the foreign photographer, and I'm like, no, 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 we're going back home. I want to use the people there. And you know, you're you're giving so many opportunities, like our current model for the icon collection. Um, she was actually a follower, she has vitiligo, she's never modeled before. And you know, it's it's very different in our culture for people to see someone. It's more accepted in in you know the the US, but I, I literally messaged her and I said, Will you do me the honor of being the face of the campaign? Um, to help also bring awareness. So it's it's a, it's a lot of emotional giving back. There is financial giving back, but there's also even digital empowering the next generation. I always tell people, copy me. You see a campaign I've done, please copy. Don't feel like you have to thank me or say Hyatt inspired me, but I'm like, I am open. Like, I even tell jewelry designers, you want to copy my design, do it. Mm. I want you to do it because it comes with practice. Try try mine and you'll develop yours along the way. When I was in art school, we would use tracing paper when I was learning how to draw. So you put tracing paper and you teach your hand how to draw. 
And then you develop the muscle to be able to draw on your own. So for me, I tell people, please copy me, copy everything I do. And there's no shame in it. And I think that's, that's where gatekeeping doesn't happen. I, I tell people, take everything I do and replicate it. Hmm. What's your thought on that? Because I know like with, I feel like sometimes when people want to break into any type of industry, sometimes they come into some roadblocks because they really don't have anyone to ask. Because again, just like you mentioned, gatekeeping, some people really just aren't, you know, generous with offering any information. Like it's, I don't know like what their reason behind it may be, but I think that's sometimes, you know, a, a conflict. Sometimes people really, really want to reach out to someone with all the sincere intentions and they don't receive information. So how do you feel about that? Like how can we kind of maybe overcome those circles to kind of be like our sister's keeper to give information and not necessarily fall into the whole gatekeeping thing? And I think that it's a, it's a interesting one because let's say for example, if someone said, hey, hi, I want to produce jewelry. Can you just tell me your producer? I won't tell you because I'm robbing you of the journey to find the right producer for yourself. Because before I found the artisans who help with the koi stuff, I went through maybe a hundred and something different manufacturers. But within that journey, I learned about materials. I learned about the process. I learned what to look for, what I like, what I don't like. If somebody had handed me, here's the producer, go ahead. I would have robbed myself off of like so much knowledge, which I learned along the way. So there are some things where I won't say it's gatekeeping, but we have to trust that that journey is going to make us better. Now, when it comes to things of, you know, what are, you know, how do I build a marketing campaign? With that one, I'm like, okay, it's super simple. It comes super simple to me. If it comes simple to me and I know there is no way you can figure this out, or it probably involves you hiring somebody and I can tell it to you for free. Now, what you do with that information is like, you have to still do the work. So I think there is a mix of sometimes people call things gatekeeping. They're not actually gatekeeping. There are some things that you have to learn along the way. But there are some things where someone can guide you. But I think a lot of times women will fold their arms and say, I need a mentor. And I am so against mentorship. I, oh, I do not like mentorship. I don't believe in mentorship. I think your mentors should not be there to make things easy or give you the secret. You should take on mentors who you never interact with and watch them and study them. Like when I was building my entire advertising career, I studied Bosma St. John. I'd never met her. I just said, I remember I mapped out, wow, she went from here to here. I listened to every interview she'd done. I observed everything she did, how she spoke about herself, how she walked into rooms. And that in my head was my mentor. But I'd never met her before. I didn't sit down and say, oh, I'm in advertising. I need a mentor. I just said, there's a lot of trailblazers. I'm going to study them. And that is active mentorship is I am taking the time to study them, to learn from them. So the day I met her, I didn't ask her to be my mentor. I just said hello and, you know, I thanked her for being an inspiration and I moved on. Um, and she's still somebody I look up to. She wears Koi now, which is like crazy. Um, but that's, that's why I think a lot of times people cripple themselves by telling themselves, I need a mentor. I need funding. I need this. And you are actually just gatekeeping yourself from your dreams is, is what it comes down to. I love it. I love what you said. Cause I always say that I have, I refer to my mentors air quote as the mentors in my mind. Yeah. So I always refer to Issa Rae as the mentor in my mind. And of course I have not, I mean, I'll claim it in the future. I would love to meet her, but she's been the mentor for me. And I totally agree with that because I think that the whole notion of gatekeeping, just like you mentioned, like you're obviously not going to share the name of your producer. And that's to me, that's not gatekeeping because I know I've been in situations where someone may ask me certain things and it's like, well, when I figured this out, I had no one to ask. So yeah. it's not like, a, well, let me also make this difficult for you. But just as you mentioned, I think we have to understand there's a balance in yeah. finding certain things for something that you truly believe in on your own and just running to someone and thinking they're going to give you the entire blueprint to how they built something. That's not even out of being malicious or gatekeeping. 
it's it just hey like i will maybe inspire you on yeah but i don't but you have to understand that we are cultured to in in this world where information is so accessible if somebody doesn't give us information it's considered gatekeeping yeah. and then it's like oh she's not sharing and it's, it's kind of like, I don't want to rob you of the lessons you will learn. And also, if every time you ask, I tell you, you will only learn how to ask. Mm. It, it's one of the things like my, my, my mom is, um, has always been this way. It's sort of like, you, she, she won't give me money. Because every time I run into a business issue, guess what is going to happen? I'm only going to learn how to ask someone for money. I will never learn how to be like, I don't have an option. What am I going to do? When I was building the store, I ran out of money, like actually ran out of money, started selling clothes. Like se- I started, like if I could sell the flooring in my apartment, I, don't, I would have sold it. That's how much I believed in the brand. The day Koi launched, I wrote a letter to my landlord to explain to him that I couldn't pay rent that day because I was building this brand and I needed a week. Because Koi launched on July 1st, so rent was due that day. And I knew whatever sales were going to come, I would have it in a week. So I said, okay, to put this thing into like, you know, I think I had to clear the final pieces from customs and I needed the exact amount of money that my rent was. And and I just remember I had to even, my sister lives in, Canada, in, in what do you call it, South Africa, and she had come to New York and I flew to see her on miles and I could not even afford to take an Uber from the airport to her house, but I couldn't tell her. Because I'm not in a, like, I don't ask people for stuff. But I'll sit in there like, Koi just launched. Nobody knows. I probably have 87 cents in my bank account. And I'm not going to do anything. You know, I'm, I'm going to eat what, what my niece and nephew are eating. Like, it was kind of like, I'm not going to ask anyone. But guess what? I believed in the brand so much, I would do anything for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people are missing. It is, a, you always see these quotes. How bad do you want it? Oh, I wanted this bad. And I did everything I could. So, so when you see Koi everywhere, to me, I'm just like, as it should be, because I put my last sweat and tears in it. And, and I, like, I always tell myself, I deserve it because I, I, I worked hard for this. Um, and, and yeah. Wow. I, I, I definitely agree. It reminds me of that fable about teaching men how to fish. Mm-hmm. You know, like instead of just handing something to someone and it's not. And again, I don't think when people just don't, like you said, we can condition someone to be more comfortable asking instead of working and seeking out something on their own. And I totally agree with that. I want to shift because one of the things that is really important to me is mental health. Even in our current issue of the magazine, we have an article about just mental health practices, strategies for small business owners on how they can really cater to their mental health. And I know just reading on your background that you have had some dealings with depression on your your, your journey. So yeah. I want to ask you about that delicate topic. I've also dealt with that as well, PTSD, depression, anxiety. I know like these are things that a lot of people are dealing with. And sometimes in silence, they're not comfortable discussing it? Are they just, you know, they're going through these battles alone? What has been your journey and what are some of the things that you've done to cater to your mental health? Yeah. And I think, um, first of all, thank you for asking that. And also thank you for what you do um, around the topic. I think what is beautiful about depression, and I I like to speak about it, not in this sad and, you know, it's the worst thing because it's how we speak about things make it easier for people to also acknowledge it. And I think the beauty with depression is it's not that I have dealt with depression. I still deal with it. I have depressive episodes. I've learned how to manage it differently, but like I will still have days where I'm not leaving my bed and I have learned to say, okay, Today's just that day. We're not leaving the bed. We're going to be sad today. We're going to just wear sweatpants and then tomorrow we're going to try again. And especially in entrepreneurship, like it is the darkest hole you'll ever be in because the level of faith you need to you is is just, I think the best way is anybody who's listening, you're in a black box and you are pushing forward. And it's not like, oh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. You have to imagine that one day there could be a light. Mm-hmm. 
you know how sad that is to literally sometimes feeling, why am I doing this? Think about something. I was an influencer for 10 years before I built Koi. I've tried several businesses. You know the level of faith you have to have in yourself? You, you literally, it's like you're trying everything. You are taking risks. You're like, you know, I, I used to have savings. I have no savings. And you are really just like, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. And, and then, you know, like life comes at you. Like I lost my dad. I lost my sister. I lost my sister-in-law. Last week, I lost my grandmother. It's like, and you're still just kind of like, I have to keep going. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm just, you know, my, one of my closest friends, Kayla, she always tells me left foot, right foot, which means don't, don't worry about what's coming. It's just left foot, right foot, but it's lonely. It's lonely as hell. I, I even tear up thinking about it. It is the loneliest place. Um, you know, even when you're building a brand, like there's days where I'm just like, I don't want my phone to ring because everybody who calls me needs something, mm -hmm. who need an answer. You know, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be there. And somebody, I just want to be like, everybody leave me alone. <laughs> but you're, but you're also kind of like, I'm on my rocket ship. I cannot stop now. Or like one time I, um, I was crying to my partner and I was just like, I just want to be a girlfriend. I don't want to talk about business. I don't want to talk about, you know, coy. I, I just want to be a human. It was just like a, a thing. And I, I, I spend a lot of time alone. Um, more so because it's sometimes there's this fear that, you know, if I, and anywhere I go, somebody wants to talk about business yeah. or you inspire me. What are your tips and tricks? And sometimes I'm just like, I'm struggling today. I just, I just don't want to speak. Um, so I struggle with it a lot. I'm very solitary. Is that a word? Like I love to sit by myself. I read books. Um, but how do I deal with it is I tell myself it's okay. You see the way I just spoke about, about it. I speak about it and it normalizes it for me. So when I have a bad day, it's a bad moment. My life is not, you know, like I, I don't push it under the rug. I don't say, you know, smile, it's going to be okay, be grateful. I'm grateful, but today sucks. <laughs> and and I think the more people, even folks who, who are dealing with someone who who is going through a depressive episode, allowing people to feel their feelings. I think as a culture, we tell each other, be grateful, you know, there's kids dying in the world. No, but I, my day sucks today, mm -hmm. it's okay. Um, and, you know, there's always therapy, but again, when you go to therapy, it's not about going to therapy. Are you opening up? Are you talking about the things? Because we can all go to therapy. It's like going to church. We can all go and show up. But are you actually doing the work when you leave? Is, um, is the hardest question. So I think to me, I continue to speak about it. I think what made my depressive episodes worse is entrepreneurship. The uncertainty, the anxiety that comes with it. I'm always anxious, always anxious. Um, but you have to just learn to regulate. I do a thing called matcha walks, mm -hmm. um, where I take a walk to go buy matcha. I have this obsession with matcha. I literally mm -hmm. have matcha right here. <laughs> um, so matcha walks became a symbol of, I need a moment. Mm -hmm. So when there's a tough thing going on, my team will know, I'll say, I'm just going to go take a matcha walk. And they know, okay, just, I need to clear her head. Sometimes I need to cry. I need to step away and then I'll come right back. But I had to develop a when something's happening, it's, I got to go take a walk. I, I, I need matcha. And then, you know, it's it's my gift to myself. Um, so I think people just find whatever that thing is, as long as it's not like crazy, like drinking or, you know, doing drugs or something. Yeah. But um, I think you, you have to find your thing. Um, and your thing could be shopping or whatever it is that gives you a dose of happiness. Um, and your thing could be shopping or whatever it is that gives you a dose of happiness. Um, that's, that's what's going to get through. You spoke about that really eloquently and you hit a lot of points. Entrepreneurship coupled with anxiety and depression is a really, it's not the best recipe, <laughs> you know, because you're already stepping out on faith and you're right. And I'm so happy that you've been transparent because entrepreneurship is glamorized and we need to be more raw about it. You start off, 
you don't have any money, you don't have any support. You have one day when you made an amazing sale and then you, it's crickets, maybe who knows how long that can be. It's a it's a wheel, it's a hamster wheel. Yeah. And it really heightens depression because again, you're riding on faith and it's a lot. And you're also riding on faith, you may be riding on things where you may not even have a lot of support in your circle because sometimes with entrepreneurs if they maybe have circles who aren't doing the same journey they simply don't understand you've also mentioned too how sometimes you really just don't feel like talking you know you may meet a new friend i know in my instance i'll meet new friends and like they're so excited to talk about my branding which is great but i don't want to talk about this right now because i have personal things that's going on too and i think sometimes people you know they may not understand that and you have to have that balance. So you've definitely spoken really eloquently about it and very truthfully, which I definitely appreciate. And I wanted to ask you, in addition to your walks, what are some other self-care practices, if any, that you do practice, you know, just to take care of yourself and just to have those moments where it can just be yourself and you can relax and not have to be a part of this machine? My favorite place is the gym. Um, so I, I lift weights, um, three to four times a week and there's just a group of women where, you know, you, you start to see the same people in the gym and, you know, my trainer, um, Hector, we, sometimes he's training two people at a time and I've met more friends in the gym and in the gym, I'm not high yet. Like nobody cares. It's, can you lift 25 pounds or 30? Also, are you done with those weights? Cause I need them. There's no like oh, this person, no. And I think that became such a safe, a safe space to the point where if I'm in a bad mood, I will go to the gym and sit there, but I'm going. Like there's days I walk in and I tell my trainer, I'm not here. And he knows what I'm not here means. It means don't push me today. We're not doing no shit I don't want to do. Just be lucky I showed up. Mm-hmm. And it's just having that place where I can literally go and interact with humans, and it's not a business conversation. It's not a, can you give me tips and tricks about branding? Can I pick your brain? It's literally like, you know, we cheer each other on, and but it's we're just lifting weights or, or you know, pulling down weights. And, and I think that that is my place. Um, li- literally, I will, even if I'm going for 15 minutes, like, you know, I lost my job a couple of weeks ago. As soon as I found out I lost my job, the first place I went to was the gym. I literally read the email, closed the computer and walked to the gym. And and that was like, okay. And then I walked in and, you know, my trainer greets me. How, how's it going? And I was like, oh, I just lost my job. And he said, okay, go warm up. And that was the most, that was the most beautiful moment. It was literally like, okay, cool. But since you're here, go warm up. Like, it's not like I don't care, but you're here now. Go and warm up. We have, we have things to do. And like, those are things that help me get through some of my hard moments. So I think, I think to me, that's my place. Exercise, definitely. I've been doing that recently as well. And it helps relieve stress too. It To me, it also is an opportunity when you're lifting weights to just get a lot of any type of negative energy as well that may be inside of your body. Like you can get it out because it's so empowering. Even like when you work out and you're lifting weights and you're like exhausted afterwards, you're sweating, but you still get like this tinge of energy so I just think that for anyone that hasn't considered it, even if you just get some weights and just lift them for in durations, you know, in different, you know, reps, it really does make a difference mentally doing that exercise. And I just think Especially when you see yourself getting better of like, you know, like last week I was doing um, pulls and it was the first time I pulled 120 pounds. And I literally was like, I'm about to do this. And I was like, I'm going to going to give you four reps, but I'm going to do it. And just the feeling of I did the four I said I was going to do, it does a number on you because it's also telling you, you set a goal and you killed that goal. So then you walk out with this level of confidence of then what are the goals can I set? Because I, I crushed this small one. So now it gives you confidence to do other things outside of the gym of, oh, well, today I'm going to reply 50 out of my 10,000 emails reply those 50 and feel good. And then tomorrow you add 10 more. And I think that's, that's also what it teaches you. Yes, I definitely agree. And it's so important to take care of our physical 
in addition to our mental as well. I want to ask you also, self-love is something super important to me. And just with your experience, self-love is the fuel just to have that confidence. And even to be honest with ourselves too, just to take that time for ourselves means that you love yourself enough to say, hey, I'm going to unplug right now. You know, you started this brand. It took confidence in yourself too. I want to ask you, how do you define self-love and what role has it played in your life and also your business journey? How important is self-love to you? I think um, self-love is what built all of this because I started my journey of the internet because I hated myself. Mm -hmm. That's what started it all. And I remember saying, I'm going to figure out how to love myself and I'm going to document the journey. So that's what started my influencer journey, just talking about being a plus size woman and you know, learning to love my stretch marks and learning to love like my cheeks. Like, you know what's crazy? I really still don't like my cheeks. I hate them so much. But I learned to realize that, oh, my cheeks are cute. Like, you know, I think sometimes self-love is acknowledging that I don't like something about myself, but I love that it's still a part of who I am. Self-love isn't like, oh my God, I love every inch of myself. Nobody loves every inch of themselves. Let's stop lying. Mm -hmm. But it's saying, even if I don't love it, I love that it's still a part of me. Like I can't change it. It's a part of me. And, um, you know, even this uh, idea of there, there was a saying years ago, which I wrote down in my journal and it said, koi no yokan, which means love will come. Mm. It's a Japanese saying, and it means love will come. It's basically when you see something, you don't, you, you don't kind of like it, but you just have this feeling that love will come. That's actually where the name Koi came from. It's literally this idea of when I started this jewelry brand, it was like, I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but love will come. And in the end, I put an H in there, H for Hayat, because I love has come. And I loved Koi. And that's like, that's where the name came from. Um, so that is also self-love of saying, a lot of times you don't trust that you'll love yourself or you'll love things or you'll love who you're going to become because we're all going to grow older. Well, you know, we, we think we just caught up with self-love. Oh, baby, a whole new wave is coming. What, once things start wrinkling and we're not spring chickens, our knees are not Meg the Stallion anymore. Um, you know, we're going to go through this whole journey again. But knowing that no matter how much I lose love in myself, it will come back. And, and that's, that's my journey. I think my beautiful journey in self-love is I allow myself to not like myself a lot of times. I don't pretend or fight it. There are some days I'm like, oh, I don't feel good. But it's saying, and that's okay. That's okay today. I don't have to love myself every day. I'm not a robot. Um, mm -hmm. But I know tomorrow will be a better day. And maybe I just got to get my hair braided and I'll love myself again. Or I, you know, I have to wear my favorite color or, you know, I have to, I don't know, drink matcha and, you know, I'll love myself again. And I think that's the honest conversation we have to have about self-love. It's not this roses and daisies and we all love who we are. And I think we preach this whole love yourself. Nobody loves themselves that much. Let's be honest. And I think the more honest we are, the more accepting we are. As you really, I love how you mentioned, because I think right now we have like a, a something going on where, you know, a movement. <laughs> and also a toxic positivity. And it's like such a slippery slope because I do think it's important, you know, manifestation, speak life. But we also can be transparent and be truthful. Like we, I don't like every part of myself. And, I, and it does feel the self-love to just acknowledge what don't you love about yourself? And the most important part, why? Yeah. Because that's when you start to look at yourself and you start to analyze and you start to think and you start to do the work. And I love how you mentioned that there's things that you acknowledge that you didn't like about yourself. I think sometimes we're afraid to admit that. Because somebody is going to say, oh, no, but it's nice. No, I said I don't like it. Leave me alone. Like I said, what you know when they say I said what I said. Yeah. And I think toxic positivity is a huge issue because we we tell each other, feel your feelings. But when I'm feeling my feelings, you're telling me not to feel those feelings because you're drowning me in forced positivity. It's okay to say I don't like something about myself. Right. You can't force me to like it. Like I got to feel how I feel right now. And that's okay. And I think the more 
we allow people to feel their feelings, number one, you know, we're not going to be sunken in depressive episodes. And when we do have depressive episodes, because we're not drowning in toxic positivity, like it's going to be okay. Then we can feel the feelings and then let them and release them and then move on. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, I'm allergic to toxic positivity. I don't like it at all. Right. Because I just think there's a balance. Yeah. You know, we can speak life and we can be positive, but we have to acknowledge our feelings. And I, I like to use the terminology because I do talk about positivity a, a lot, but I also make the point to say I don't fart glitter all day either. You know, <laughs> that taste for sure. <laughs> and I think it's important. I love my chair. <laughs> I just think it's important to let people know that so that you don't feel like you're gaslighting someone. And like you said, I love how you mentioned forcing the positivity on someone where they're pointing out, hey, I'm I'm having a bad day or hey, this is a mess situation. Yeah, let them acknowledge that. Don't force them to feel better. Right. I mean, you can encourage them that, hey, trouble won't last always. Like, you'll get through it. Yeah, but like, don't ever tell someone like, oh, there's there's other people that have it worse. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> I think the best example I heard was, um, I forget who it was. Um, there was a celebrity who had um, breast cancer and she had stage one. And she said the most beautiful part of her journey was her husband didn't say, well, at least you don't have stage four or you're dying. He said, you have cancer and it sucks. Let's be sad. And I think that's how it is. It's like, yes, there's somebody who has it worse than me in context of their life but this is worse for me. It's the worst I've ever felt. Let's acknowledge that. Don't try and tell me it's not as bad as somebody else. I can be grateful that I don't have somebody else's situation, but this still sucks because it's not the norm. And I think we have to let people, if let's say you get a prick on your finger and it feels like the end of the world, let me feel like it's the end of the world. Because it doesn't mean because my hand hasn't been chopped off, I'm not allowed to feel pain. I still feel pain. And I think that 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 is where toxic positivity has to end. We always are like, well, it could be worse. But then every time it gets worse, you tell me it could be worse, sir. Um, so I, you know, I just, I always just stand with, let's all feel our feelings. And I think that's where health and self-love is. Self-love is feeling the feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. I definitely agree. Lastly, I wanted to ask you, do you have any words that you can share with people who, what entrepreneurship, as we talked about, there's a lot of highs and lows that people go through. And I think you've been extremely transparent on that journey and things that we deal with just as women, just as people that are trying to do something different. You know, what's the inspiration, I guess, if any, to just stay motivated? Because I mean, like I said, it's really hard, actually. And people only see, you know, like social media is like the, the, the it's the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. So people see the highlight reel, but yeah. they, don't, they don't go through the end credits. You know, they don't go yeah. through the documentary to show like how this came about. So what words would you have to offer to someone just encouraging, hey, on their feelings, yeah. hey, there's going to be some times the bank account's going to be low. What words would you have to encourage the next person? And I think um, how how I want to answer this question is I want to teach people. So I'm going to teach them how to fish, not hand them fish. Um, is I spend a lot of time listening to stories of other founders and entrepreneurs. So I listen to podcasts where I'm listening to the stories because sometimes I need to hear someone struggle to know that mine is not the only one that has ever happened in entrepreneurship. I study and I train for success because success is a muscle. Once you get it, it doesn't happen once and then it keeps happening. You literally have to keep training to be successful. And I think to me, it's be curious about your journey. Be every time something is happening, tell yourself like, you know, the, the, when people say it's happening for me, think about even in my example, how Koi started a deal didn't happen. Could I have sat down and woe is me? I said, okay, failure is my research. Something didn't go well. I am Hyatt Rita and I will pivot. And that is, it's this audacity in me that I will always pivot. And how do I get that? Because I heard and listened to stories of other people who pivoted. 
So no, there's no course you're going to go and buy. There's no mentorship program. There is no female empowerment conference you are going to go to learn the skill of faith. But the only way you can learn the skill of faith is to train yourself to be able to pivot at your hard times. The only way you train yourself is to watch other people do it. So clean your social media, who you follow. If you are only following people who are living what, you know, this era of soft life, you are going to want softness in your entrepreneurship journey and baby, it's not soft over here. If you're only following entrepreneurs who are showing the glitz and the glamour, let me tell you, that's not real entrepreneurship. Because there's a, I'm not saying those people aren't going through things. They're just not showing you everything. Listen to the story. Surround yourself with people who are like you. When I became an entrepreneur, my circle had to change. Because I'm, you know, on a Saturday, I'm not going to brunch. I'm probably drawing or packing orders or writing a strategy. Change the circle around you. You almost have to like, you know, when they're planting soil, you make sure everything around it is a conduit to its growth. Everybody does not come with you. Mm. So you have to do like a little clean. It doesn't mean you don't like people. It's you just, you have to surround yourself with the right people. Devote yourself to the studying of the craft and then also train yourself for success because it will come. But then the next level is what do you do when you get it the first time? Mm. You have to continue to want to be able to get better at it. And I think that that's what I want to leave um, with people because I think sometimes we go through this savior mentality. I'm going to find a mentor. I'm going to receive funding. I'm going to take this 10 week, $10,000 course where it's going to make me the best entrepreneur. I'm going to take this marketing class. I'm going to go back to school. No, none of those things will train you for what hustle and faith will, will give you. And I hope they take something away from that. I really do. Uh, thank you so much for mentioning the circle too, because again, we are what we eat. And again, if you're trying to plant something, you have to be mindful of your soil and how you take care of it. So again, your circle is extremely important. True what you mentioned about social media. Social media, there are some good points to social media. I'm not a huge fan of it, but Again, if you wipe down who you follow, because again, we are what we eat in yeah. every single sense of that phrasing, what we watch, what we consume, that's that's who makes or breaks us. So again, if we're looking at false idols, you know, people who don't, and I'm not saying that every person that you follow have to update you on every bad thing that takes place, but we also know people are only showing that they're making X amount of dollars. That's great. Yeah. That's wonderful, but that is one element of yeah. entrepreneurship. That's not generally the average. And we're also adults. I think the thing I want to put is sometimes we're like, well, people should show the real thing. No, you're an adult. You have discernment. Understand this is not real. Okay. It's not up to everybody to tell you this is not the real life. You are a whole adult. You mm -hmm. can understand that nobody's life is perfect. And so you have to, the same way we filter what like you have to filter what you see like my social media based off of what i look at it's motivational quotes it's stories it's entrepreneurs it's finance stuff so yeah i can spend all day on social media but i'm consuming stuff that is good for me because i only allow specific pages within my bubble social media is a bubble mm -hmm. i'm going to curate what's in mine if yours is celebrity gossip and false idols then that's what you'll believe in yes mm-hmm Yes, definitely. I 100% agree. Thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed myself. This has been amazing. Before we end everything, tell everybody what is next for you. Um, you know, we're, we're launching our icon collection, which is probably my favorite because it's me stepping into the confidence um, of Koi and, you know, going to open pop-ups. I think I almost like let something slip. I had to take a deep breath. <laughs> you know, I think to me, it's really taking the art to the next level. And 
I think my favorite part is very soon, I just want to start opening doors for other entrepreneurs, training other entrepreneurs, by example, um, of how they can build a brand like Koi. Um, and I think to me, it's, you know, before I was like, oh, I'm going to make this training program. And I was like, no, I'm just going to do it for free. I think, you know, that's, that's, I think I look forward the more to giving back to um, women who might be struggling and who might just want that extra push. Um, so those are the things that are feeling exciting in my soul. Awesome. Awesome. Tell everyone how they can find you, how they can learn more about Koi, and especially how they can purchase some of your jewelry and how they can follow you on social media, all your contact information. Yeah. So um, our website is shopkoi.com and that's K-H-O-I. And if you're in Chicago, we have a boutique as well. And then you can find me on Hyatt.Rita. All I do is go to the gym on there and show behind the scenes of building a business. So if that's what um, you would like in your social bubble, more than welcome. But, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was like a late night cozy chat with like girlfriends kind of thing. I appreciate it. Yes, I appreciate you so much. Thank you again for this conversation. Everyone who's tuning in, again, this is Miss Hyatt Rita. Definitely check out Koi. And I hope you picked up some great gems from this conversation. This has been a great conversation. I love every ounce of it. She touched on so many different points. Number one, again, remember you are what you eat. You have the, the power to control what you consume because we live in a very delicate world right now, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Mental health is something extremely important. If you're an entrepreneur, you're a dreamer. You're really trying to create something beautiful on your own, but there is some loneliness that's involved. There are some dark tunnels. And again, God bless everyone who has, they show the glitz and the glam. You know, this is not to take away from them. But from the rawness, there are some moments where, hey, that bank account is not adding up. You may not have that support that you want. And you have some moments because you're a real person outside of the numbers, the marketing, the getting people, the supplies. There's so many other fields with that. And you have to have some level of joy. And there's some lonely moments. So please stay encouraged. And remember, it's okay not to be okay. I always like to stress that. But go love yourself. Take care of yourself, whatever it is you have to do if you have to shut off that's okay if you have to take a break that's totally fine if you have to step back a lot of us are trying to build brands and we're working at nine to five at the same time it gets hectic it is okay to take a step back do whatever it is you have to do to take care of yourself do not hold back be unapologetic whatever you do just make sure you take care of yourself i do hope everyone enjoyed this conversation you can learn more about Hayat and many other amazing women of color who I've had the beautiful pleasure of speaking with in this wonderful journey of Gold Queen. Just go to www.goldqueen.com. I love you all. Thank you for the support. Make sure you go love yourself. Now they must have did this beat.